Hey everyone, this is Achuta Bhava from Nightlight Astrology, and today we are going to take a look at two transits. One, Mercury in Libra, square to Pluto for the final time, just passing through today. Then we're also going to sneak preview Mars's slow application to Saturn. Um, the reason that we're going to spend a little bit of time today sneak previewing Mars-Saturn, it's not quite in the range of an engagement within three degrees where I might normally talk about it. But this transit is so powerful and long-lasting and slow-moving this month, and I find that you can usually start to feel those slow-moving transits a little ahead of time. So we're going to just sort of sneak preview that one today, and then we'll be talking about it more in-depth either later this week or next week. Um, so before I do that, I want to remind you all that my new course starts in just 11 days. My new course, Ancient Astrology for the Modern Mystic, begins on November 13th. It's a week from this coming Saturday. You can attend the webinars live, or you can follow along with the recordings uh, afterward. All of the course material is yours to keep. If you go to my website, nightlightastrology.com, click on the courses tab, go to the first year course in particular, and then scroll down. And you can learn all about the program, everything that it includes. I've gone over it pretty much every day throughout the month of September and October, just to be telling people all about it. And this week, I'll also be having a panel of my recent graduates come on to talk about their experience. So you can learn more about it through some other people and um, just hear what kind of advice they have for people about studying astrology in general. Uh, so we'll be running that, I think, on Thursday of this week, Thursday or Friday. But either way, um, be sure you sign up soon. You can use the early bird payment until next week. So that saves you $500 off. There's a payment plan if you want to take advantage of that. And there's also need-based tuition. If for some reason you have a budgetary constraint, maybe you're a single parent or you only work part-time or um, you know, COVID's been tough on you or whatever the case might be, it's possible that that may be able to help you. So be sure to look into that. Uh, again, we start on November 13th. So just a little bit more time to sign up. Can't wait to be studying with a new group of people. All right. Well, that being said, let's take a look at the real-time clock and um, see what's going on. <clears throat> and I apologize to everyone. I'm still getting over a little bit of a cold. I seem to have picked up. Trick-or-treating was cold here. Super uh, temperatures dropped. And um, felt sometimes I feel like uh, I don't learn the same lesson because basically the exact, the exact same thing happened to me last year. And I should have learned my lesson and been warmer when trick-or-treating with the kids. But at any rate, um, here you can see the two transits that we're talking about. So I sound like a frog. I, I do apologize. And um, okay, here we go. So Mercury's in Libra squaring Pluto and Capricorn. And you can see that the two have just passed over the square. Um, if we animate this, you know, within a day from now, <clears throat> You can see that Mercury is already at 26 degrees. So this will pass by pretty quickly. And Mercury is actually going to be in Scorpio by the weekend. Uh, but this transit of Mercury's square to Pluto has a history. Let's go back and take a look at the history behind this transit. So if we go back some weeks, um, all the way to Mercury stationing when it turned retrograde. What happened was right around September 27th, Mercury stationed at about 25 degrees of Libra, which was in a square with Pluto. Now, Pluto was also stationing, but stationing to turn direct. So here you can see uh, Mercury passes through the retrograde to Pluto, 
by about October 1st. A month later, it is now back after going through its entire retrograde cycle and then coming all the way back through the sign of Libra. We're going to see the same square that was there at the beginning. So we're talking about a process that has some history behind it potentially for everybody right now. And that's why I think it's so important to be looking at this transit today. If you want to look back to like late September, early October, and look at what kinds of things were happening, then you may notice that some similar things are coming back now. For example, I'll just give you guys uh, the um, configuration of my own birth chart. I'm going to, I'm going to manipulate this so that we have Taurus on the ascendant, which is my natural rising sign. This places right here, Mercury's retrograde in the sixth house. Now in ancient astrology, the sixth house was called Mala Fortuna, which meant bad fortune. It was associated with injuries, sickness, accidents. Um, it was also associated with chronic health problems, with surgery, um, and, uh, and other things too. But those topics in particular I'm focusing on because at the outset of this cycle, I started noticing some health issues that came from this summer having, and I've told you guys this a few times, I went through a couple of months of um, experimenting with jujitsu, had a lot of fun with it, uh, ended up getting beat up. <laughs> it was uh, broke a rib and... Um, and so on and so forth. Anyway, I found out that one thing that I did to myself, I won't go into details, but one thing that I did to myself uh, experimenting with jujitsu this summer uh, will require a small surgery. Now, I started noticing that uh, problem um, and I sort of being like, I think something might be a little off here um, as Mercury was turning retrograde in the sixth house, which is a place where you'll often... Um, You'll often see any kinds of difficult transits around the sixth house. You'll notice sometimes illnesses or sicknesses or injuries or something like that will kind of pop up. So um, I am now scheduling my surgery as and um, right now as uh, Mercury passes back through the square with Pluto. So it's interesting to see that full, come full circle. That's a really simple example from my own chart based on the whole sign house position of Mercury. Now you might say, what does the ninth house have to, like Pluto's in the ninth house, you know, what does that have to do with it? Remember that in ancient astrology, um, the there's different layers of interpretation. So sometimes it's planets and houses. Sometimes it's going to be uh, the planet that's more active. Sometimes the house topics are more active because the planet has its own natural significations and a house has its own significations. So in this case, it seemed to have really been just the sixth house and um, there's been some ninth house stuff going on, but sometimes it's not going to necessarily, Pluto's house position doesn't necessarily have to come into the picture as much as it is that um, that natural tendency of Mercury-Pluto to reveal things that have been hidden uh, just happened to show up with the focus being on Mercury's house position and not really Pluto's in this case. So that has been a part of my, um, you could say my, my process over the past month. Anyway, you'll often find that's the case. Like if you see them in my horoscopes, one of the things that I do is I often will focus on the transiting uh, faster moving traditional planets house location and not the outer planets house location. That's because the outer planets don't really play by the rules of traditional astrology in terms of houses, sign rulerships and things like that. That's a debate for another day for some people. Um, but 
you know, that's, that's something that most traditional astrologers will agree upon, which is that outer planets don't have sign rulerships and they don't always uh, really like to live inside the boundaries of houses in the same way that fixed stars don't. I mean, fixed stars don't really, if they, they, they seem to have more of an impact on points and planets than they have uh, any delineation power within a house. There's some exceptions, but mostly uh, house cusps or um, deg sensitive degrees or planets is where you'll see a fixed star show up. I find the same thing to be basically true with outer planets. Anyway, that's kind of a technical side note. The bottom line here is that with Mercury squaring Pluto again right now, you're going to look for, especially Mercury as the theme of the messenger who reveals things that have been hidden in the underground, in the underworld, in, in a subterranean or unconscious space. You can also find that the um, there will be, you know, um, more secretive uh, forms of communication, uh, potential for anxiety, fear, paranoia, Mercury's nervous system, and Mercury as sort of a representative of the nervous system can point to mental health problems and it can point to um, innuendos and Freudian slips and it can it can point to, um, you know, almost like uh, the, the, um, what do I want to say, the, 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 uh, the, the gossip that undermines us. You know, you, you, it's funny. It's a funny thing. Um, I, one of the things that drew me, this is a kind of a tack, it's kind of tacky, but one of the things that drew me to yoga philosophy early on, um, was the fact that there was, um, such wisdom around karma, for example, um, that gossip, even if someone's not present has the power to harm them, um, from a distance, just talking negatively, thinking negatively, uh, speaking judgments about other people, even kind of entertaining judgments about other people in our minds can actually harm people. Um, we don't always see exactly how that happens. And also that by gossiping about other people, we entangle ourselves in other people's karma. All of these things just made an intuitive kind of sense to me. And as I'm mentioning them now, because these are also the kinds of things that um, we should be paying attention to right now with Mercury in the sign of the balance, a sign associated with justice and uh, Pluto, which is also... Um, a planet associated with justice insofar as the soul is judged in the underworld and its afterlife and the trajectory of its transmigration is often determined by the process that it goes through after death. Whether you're looking at the Tibetan book of the dead, the Egyptian book of the dead, um, you know, most traditions, you know, yogis feel the same way, say that, you know, the state of your consciousness, who you've associated with, your actions, your virtues, and how you've carried yourself. Were you a merciful, compassionate person? Um, not that you have to be perfect, but you know what, were, what was the quality of your consciousness? And these things matter. And they actually, um, you know, we, there's consequences that we face uh, that, that we have to go through to learn and be educated about um, the right, appropriate state of consciousness for ourselves and for others. That if we want bliss and happiness, um, we learn through trial and error. We learn what it, we learn that what bliss and happiness is not through the judgments we make and through the harsh thoughts we carry about other people, through the assumptions that we make about other people. And, um, and also be very careful um, with Mercury square to Pluto with unsolicited advice. Um, oftentimes, you know, you'll see Mercury square to Pluto uh, come along and uh, especially Mercury and Libra, Mercury and Libra will try to weigh in 
on a decision or try to weigh in and offer its judgment, don't offer if you're not asked because um, there's also uh, potentially bad karma involved in something like that. We may, um, if we're in a position where people are, you know, consulting with us for one reason or another, or we're, um, there's a natural platform where we can share um, our wisdom about some topic, then, and people have their own choice to read or uh, take in that content and agree or disagree, then that's fine. But be very careful with unsolicited advice because there's um, a hubris involved in that that will often uh, come before a fall. So we do have to be careful about that. The other thing is um, just when, you know, when people come at you in some form of communication, an email, a text, um, anything right now, and there's some imbalance, some injustice, some perceived unfairness, um, be very careful of the, the, the need to make everything just and fair. Um, because you know, it's going to happen where, I don't know, you're, you're a coworker does something that's kind of crappy. And then you feel like, well, this was clearly um, unfair. And so I'm entitled to have some kind of reaction or response to try and level the playing field, not necessarily revenge, but um, just this feeling of um, needing to react in a way to make sure that um, your own position is secure or that, that, you know, some, some appropriate counterbalance is made, some compensation, something like that. And again, like we get entangled with the people. If, if someone, you know, does something that's grossly unjust, we may need to say something or we may need to talk to human resources or if someone's harassing or something like that. It's a little different, but I'm talking about those kind of petty everyday things that people do and we go, that wasn't really fair. And, you know, like my daughter every day, like, you know, her, um, her older, I'm talking about my younger daughter, or, you know, her older sister will do stuff. And it's like, you know, she's her older sister is, uh, you know, not can kind of just bulldoze her, you know? And so one of the things that we're teaching her is that there's a, there's a sort of fine line between asking for help and also just letting things go and not feeding into you know, her sister will try to bait her into having a reaction. Um, and people do this unconsciously to each other all the time. And so, you know, don't take the bait. Don't, you don't have to react. You don't have to respond because um, that's, people are stealing things from you energetically, you know, and don't have to, you don't have to feed into that. And sometimes the best response is to say, well, that wasn't a very nice thing to do. It wasn't very fair. Um I don't feel sorry for that person that they had to do that. You know, maybe I even say a prayer for the people that I perceive as my enemies and the enemy can be a simple word. It doesn't have to be a cosmic good and evil type of thing. It just someone who does you wrong for at least two seconds is like a little bit of an enemy. So just say, throw up a prayer for them, not from a condescending place, not from a, I'm so much better place, but just from a, it's better than harboring bad thoughts about them kind of space. Like help me to see the best in them or, I uh, just, you know, whatever might be going on with them, I, I hope that they just feel better. You know, it could be super simple. A prayer does not have to be, you know, something that's happening <clears throat> on our knees and, you know, some, some, uh, some holy chanting music is playing and there's, you know, stone pillars all around us or whatever. You can, you can throw up a prayer in a sentence in your mind and it can be compassionate and humble and simple.
And it's a better way oftentimes than to try to respond to some someone or something that you perceive as unfair. And then again, discernment, because sometimes there's gross injustices and they do need to be talked about or addressed. And sometimes it's hard to know which is which. You can also do things simultaneously. If someone's doing something that's really um, unethical, we might need to say something or do something. We can also we can also address unfairness in a way that also does not embroil us or entangle us in the results. So, you know, um, sort of letting almost, almost like just doing what, whatever our duty might be in the case of something unethical or unfair or unkind or unjust, doing whatever our duty might be, but also not being attached to the results, knowing that our duty alone to just say something or report something or, you know, again, like I'm thinking of, especially people in the workplace who might have to say something about some form of harassment or bullying or something that's inappropriate. You can, you can, you can only do so much. You can, you can take all of the right actions and follow up with them, but you can do so also while not getting, letting your peace get stolen. I talk to people all the time through, you know, astrology readings every day. And I see people that, um, you know, a lot of unfair things happen to people out there. And um, the people that I see as the happiest are those that are pursuing all of the right avenues. They're doing, you know, they're, they're taking action, but they also aren't letting their peace get stolen in the process. I think that's what the simple thing that I'm trying to communicate. All right. So those are some things that really came to my mind today from Mercury's last square to Pluto. I'd love to hear your stories. Put hashtag grabbed into the comment section and tell us about what kinds of things you're noticing with Mercury square to Pluto. Remember the ancient name for the planets of grahas or grabbers that they seize our consciousness. And if we're reflective and participatory in the way that we respond, in the way that we notice the planets, um, things seem to go a lot better. And, and it even doesn't even necessarily matter exactly what the outcome is. There's just a kind of deep knowing that comes along with having the power to identify the archetypes, the gods, and to, um, to participate more consciously with them uh, rather than just uh, you know getting dragged around. All right, so next I want to tell you just a little sneak preview. We're going to be talking about this more in depth later, but I want to sneak preview the, um, here we go the square of Mars to Saturn. So I'm going to, whoops, there I did that. And I just moved it around. Here's Mars and Scorpio gradually starting to appear as the morning star and is moving into a square with Saturn. Now Mars is in what we call the overcoming or superior position. And so we have a Mars that's about to emerge strong in its own sign as a morning star. So it's kind of youthful and bold and strong and has this um, real action-oriented quality. And it's overcoming Saturn in Aquarius. Now, um, one of the things that I would say here about this is that any combination of Mars and Saturn can be frustrating insofar as Mars is like a gas pedal and Saturn is like a brake pedal. And it can suddenly feel like I'm pushing forward only to get stopped. I'm pushing forward only to get stopped. Or um, I'm trying to do things, you know, conservatively, carefully. I'm trying to do things in a mature manner. And then, you know, these, these powerful, aggressive, interrupting, um, agitating forces keep coming in and, and sort of ruining the feeling of, of control and, um, and structure that I'm trying to establish. 
So you can get Mars and Saturn kind of pressing on one another. The nice thing about Mars in the overcoming position with Saturn is that things that are sort of recalcitrant, um, things that are uh, too tight and maybe stubborn, um, things that, uh, you know, they, there's a refusal or a sense of like negation or denial. No, right? Mars has the ability to sort of overcome that right now through very strong, decisive actions. And that's nice. We can see Mars in the overcoming position saying to Saturn, enough is enough. It's time to start moving forward. Remember that the new moon coming through is a Uranian new moon. It's a new moon opposing Uranus. So there's a kind of um, the time for action is at hand. That's the, the feeling behind this Mars-Saturn dynamic. Principled, determined efforts, mature, step-by-step um, -step, uh, actions that have a sense of um, courage and determination behind them. The, the, the feeling of hard work and uh, principled productivity, the feeling that there's a lot to get done, but there's also the will and the way to do it. Um, and sometimes there's also going to be uh, battles of will and um, um, horns getting locked uh, over different kinds of, um, you know, adherence to different kinds of principles. So a battle of principles, battles of the will, um, and so forth. Now, Saturn in Aquarius likes to take a pretty big, broad-minded view of things. It's in some ways, it's like an engineer's mindset. Um, Mars in Scorpio is a bit more of, um, what do you want to say? Mars in Scorpio is more direct and um, emotionally combustible. And so the idea also of taking some kind of big, uh, broad, objective approach, uh, that may be overwhelmed at times this month by the need for strong, emotionally driven actions and decisions. Now, the downside is uh, that strong emotional decisions may not be objective enough. On the other hand, if this kind of broad-minded objectivity is um, incapable of um, initiating change and dynamic movement, sometimes this Saturn and Aquarius can be a little dissociated and sort of um, detached and aloof. And Mars in Scorpio, there's something at stake for Mars in Scorpio. There's something that needs to be done and moved and changed. And uh, Mars in Scorpio is like young and eager for that kind of um, explosiveness that Mars, you know, brings when it's in Scorpio, along with the sun that's also action oriented, also in Scorpio right now, and Mercury is coming into Scorpio. So that dynamism is a po possibly a really helpful thing when it comes to overcoming the kind of um, sort of broad and overly objective and dissociated coldness of Saturn. Uh, but the, the emotional drive and the sort of broad rational mindedness, those two are coming into this intense dialogue in the next couple of weeks. Um, but change is at hand, revolution, revolutionary action and impulse is probably going to win out here because both of both because of the new moon opposing Uranus um, from Scorpio and also the eventuality of Mars opposing Uranus and um, Mercury opposing Uranus and so on and so forth. So that's what I wanted to share today. Um, 
I would love to hear your stories about Mercury square to Pluto. Use the hashtag grabbed or email us grabbed at nightlightastrology.com. Um, if you have um, stories to share about any of these aspects coming up this month, please do share your stories. Keep them really short and concise. That way I can share them very easily with the audience when I do another episode of storytelling about all of these, uh, all these transits that you guys are experiencing and really love hearing your stories. It's one of my favorite aspects of doing this every day. So in the, in the meantime, um, hopefully I'll be uh, feeling a little bit better tomorrow as well. I'm, I'm feeling sort of the, but um, you guys have a great day today and we will be back tomorrow for more on uh, the new moon coming through. All right. Take it easy, everyone. Bye.